so Berto, I thought we would do a real quick episode about how to spot a narcissist in the real world. What do you say? This sounds like it's another episode about me. It is. <laughs> this is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirkana. I'm a therapist, professor, and I believe I'm about a 5% on the narcissism scale. Berto, who are you? My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I sell feline defense equipment. So I wanted to do an episode on this. I, I did a deep dive, a eight or nine hour deep dive on narcissistic personality disorder. If you want to listen to that, become a patron of the podcast and you get to hear that whole eight, nine hour episode in which I go into full detail on history and presentation and diagnoses and um, research and terms and how it comes about and blah, blah, blah. But I just thought we'd do a real quick episode on how to just some tips on how to spot it in the real world, because I feel like people have uh, some kind of simplistic ideas about what narcissism is and why it exists and how right. it might manifest. Um, but first, a caveat is that I find that a lot of people refer to narcissists as this uniform character profile, mm. uh, which it, there's... I've never met two narcissists or people who are on the narcissistic personality scale who were similar. I see. They, they might have similar traits, but really um, every individual is different and there, there's just a ton of variation between those people. It, it, it's like saying everyone who is tall has the same personality or everyone who likes uh, soccer has the same personality. But if I understand you right, it's like narcissism is like, one of millions of dials in right. the person's personality. Exactly. Okay. So you can have an introverted uh, narcissistic person. You can have an extroverted narcissistic person. You could have a likable narcissistic person. You have a very unlikable. You could have a criminal. You could have a murderous yeah. narcissistic person. You have a narcissistic person who would never harm a fly. You could have, yeah. you know, anyway. Yeah, so, a president. It, it could be anything. Right. Uh, and there's lots of spectrums, too, that there's not like either or um, there's in my conceptualization, there are uh, uh, two kinds of people. There are people who are not on the spectrum and then people who are, right. and, and the people who are, are on a, on a gradient. Um, I, like like, like I Rick said, Sanchez is like on that gradient highly. <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, Morty, it's all about me. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, and, and I believe I'm like 5% on the spectrum, Berto. You, I was graded at like what, 18% or 15, something? 15, 15. 15%. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of spectrums within narcissism too. So it's, it's you know, that has to do with that variation. Also, um, that as we go through these different signs of how to detect narcissism in other people, not everyone is going to have all of them. Right. So some people might have different combination of them. And also that when we talk about narcissistic personality, we have to recognize that these are not scientific, uh, hard science things. Yeah, you can't like test their blood for it. <laughs> right. And it, it's highly, and, and as a result, you'll see that different people will disagree. Like someone will look at Trump and say, he's the, you know, the most narcissistic person they've ever seen in their life. And someone else will say, like, eh, I don't know. Right. So, and, and both are right because it's not a real thing. Right. You know, you can't look at um, gravity and, and say, well, I agree with gravity 
because things fall mm-hmm. to the earth. And like another person comes along and says, well, I disagree with gravity. I don't think things fall towards the earth. Well, one's wrong, one's right. Because right. In, the, in the natural sciences, when it comes to things like gravity, we can actually measure it and test it from various different angles. As if, opposed to the shape of the earth, for example. Yeah. <laughs> for example, uh, whereas uh, the notion of narcissistic personality is a construct. That's the term we use. Right. It's something that we have socially or professionally or uh, you know, academically constructed right. as a concept. It is not an actual thing. Um, okay, so to begin this off, it, it just the, the main conceptualization that I have and uh, Kernberg has around narcissistic personality is that because people are mistreated and or neglected as children, they early on at the age of three, four, five will develop a defensive structure that props up a false self that is grandiose to mainly protect the self from acknowledging that they are nothing. They believe they're nothing because they were treated like they were nothing. And so as a way of protecting themselves against that, they, they prop up this, this false grandiose self. I see. Uh, and they also need other people to believe it because if other people don't believe it, then they have to question themselves whether or not uh, they are that false self. And, but it all begins... Uh, the only reason why they do that is because they were mistreated, which led to them feeling as though they were nothing on the inside. And they might even lack a self, which is at the extreme ends of things, that they don't even – they have no way of soothing themselves because they were never given a chance to do that and or they were never soothed when they were children. And so they defend against that by propping up this false self that, one, is so good it never needs to be soothed, and two, is so superior that uh, it's beyond emotion, you know? Mm. So, so that's the conceptualization. Um, and as we go through these different markers, uh, these are mainly people that are high on the spectrum. So, um, Berto, you and I might have some of these in some ways, but really, if, if you're going to look at people having a, a lot of these, you're probably talking at p- about people at the 50, 60, 70, 80, and above percentile on the spectrum. Right. So, Berto, can you think of someone, don't name them, that you think is high on the spectrum? Do you, do you, yes. ha- do you have that person or set of people in your mind? Yes, based on my understanding about it. Like, when we went through the categories in the live show, and, and you know, I know there wasn't all of them, but we went through a lot of them. And uh, if, I, if I think of those categories, I, I certainly know... Uh, I don't know, probably a couple people in my life. Uh, so, so think of the worst one, or if you need to think of two people, think of them as we go through these criteria. Okay. And by the way, do I know these people? Or don't say if, because if, people might hear this, but I'm just curious if I know these people. I don't know if you know or don't know. Okay. I don't know anything. <laughs> good. Okay. That's probably a good answer. Okay. So uh, one sign is that everything they do is awesome. Uh, For example, they might say something like, oh, my God, I went to Paris and this hotel I went to was just the best hotel I'd ever been to. Or, man, I had this steak the other night. It was the best steak (laughs) I'd ever had. Or they might say something like, um, oh, my God, I met this new girl. She's so hot and she's so good in bed. And, you know, she is – she's smart. She's just amazing. (laughs) Now, that's not necessarily – Narc- that's just one 
one drop it, in, the, in yeah, the bucket. Yeah, it's yes. one data point yeah. that adds to an overall presentation. And it's probably part of a pattern because if one, you know, you can get back from a trip and say, like, that was the best trip I've taken. Right. Okay, fine. But if you're always like, these are the best shoes. This is the best watch. Yeah. This is the best shirt. Right. And the deceptive nature of this is that they're not grandiose about themselves. They're grandiose about things that are associated with them. And so it might actually look as though they're not narcissistic because they're propping up other things. But they're only oh, propping up things that are actually related to them. Because they ate the steak. Right. They were stayed at the hotel room. Right. And it's the girl they're dating. You know what I mean? Yeah. So are the people like this at all? Yes. Interesting. Like uh, how, I mean, without revealing. It's just, okay, so as an example, how are things going? Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Right? Like, uh, oh, yeah, well, what ended up happening with that thing you were going to do? Oh, it was, it was, it was, it blew me away. It was like the best. Yeah. But like, that's always the answer. Right. It's never like, actually, I had a really hard, it it was a little disappointing. It was, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, another one is they might actually really be in love with you is another deceptive quality. People high on the spectrum, when you give them their narcissistic supply and mm-hmm. you don't challenge their narcissistic supply, they they might actually become extremely open about their preference for you. Oh, interesting. Um, they, they might even see your relationship as quite special if it's like a romantic relationship. They might mm-hmm. be like, oh my God, uh, you're the best, and our relationship is so good. You know, our relationship is oh. is you know, no one else is as close or as sexual or as interesting as <laughs> as the two of us are. Again, it's deceptive because it's not them talking about right. themselves, but it is talking about things that they're um, associated with. Are, are they like that? I don't have that direct experience. Okay, well. So it's often considered manipulative by people. They'll be like, you know, that they're trying to uh, seduce you into their world by mm. being really nice and, and by doing these kinds of things. But that's not how I conceptualize it. It's not, it's not a conscious thing. They, one, they're, again, defending against a deep sense of nothingness. Um, but they're also really desperate for relationships because they were mistreated when they were young. They, uh. they as anyone would deeply want attachment and so when they actually find some attachment it's similar to borderline mm-hmm. uh and narcissism and borderline are very are very close to each other and people can actually have uh basically just there can you can you can basically be on a spectrum between borderline and narcissistic mm, but the uh they're they're so um neglected and so desirous of some kind of secure attachment when one presents itself or the beginnings of one is happening the narcissistic person will feel just overwhelmingly happy about it, oh. but they don't know how to frame it because their their defensive structure sees the world through superior lenses. So <laughs> instead of saying things like, oh my God, I feel really good in this relationship. Oh my God, this relationship makes me feel really safe. Like, and I, it may, I feel love. Maybe even like, wow, you are... Really helping me, yeah, or whatever you know, like exactly giving some credit to the uh, other person, right? But that is not how they're used to thinking, and right. so instead they say, "Our relationship is the best relationship in the world," and our you know our love, be, you know, and because you're with me, and because this is happening, 
there's something really glorious and amazing happening right, right. now. It, it, they they see it through the grandiose mm-hmm. uh, comparison lens, you know. Okay, number three, they make you feel uneasy. So this is a big one. Is that uh, they will they will often for me this is the kicker. This is the thing I always notice for with borderlines and with narcissistics is I will feel scared. For, for almost no reason. I'll just know. Scared. Yeah, I'll just know that I feel, I mean, not like, when I say scared, I'm I'm more talking about a fundamental fear of just nervousness, yeah. general unease, when I don't really know why I feel that way. And when I'm, and because I've done a lot of work to become in tune with my body and emotion, I know that uh, I can, I know exactly how that feels. It feels like a, a sort of, um, flutteriness butterflies in, yeah. my, in my heart you know yeah yeah and when oh, I, f- I know that feeling and so it's similar with borderline antisocial narcissistic and histrionic with all those kinds of people mm. particularly people high in the spectrum within a pretty short amount of time i will start to feel uneasy, uneasy. around them do you feel uneasy around oh, that's interesting uh with one of them i can certainly relate to that but but I've known them for a long time, and so maybe the way I feel has changed over time. Well, let me ask you. So so one way that this manifests in today's world is they text you or they email you or call you or something, and as soon as you notice it, it's them, you might feel a little nervousness. Like, sure. Like there's, there's – you can feel like, oh, oh boy, you know, like yes. your, your alert goes Yes, up. yes, okay. yes. So, so that's fear. Yeah, that's that fear. Yeah. Now, with other people, they text you, and you're you're just you're like, huh? huh. You're either indifferent or you're just like, ooh, I wonder what they're saying. Right. But with with people that are narcissistic, when they when they contact you after you've had a relationship with them long enough, um, because they've subtly punished you for narcissistic supply issues, there's a there's an injection, or they've given you the impression that they will punish you. Right they uh, will, you'll feel afraid. You'll say, oh crap, you know, they'll just, even though you might at the same time be excited that they're texting you. Number four, they will seem very emotionally strong as if they don't need anybody's help. Mm-hmm. Are they like that at yep. all? Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, Definitely that one. Man, these people are really starting to be narcissistic. Is it me? Just joking. No. Uh, number five, they make you feel worried about being rejected. Um, when when someone bothers them, they're they're quick to sort of reject the person outright. Like they'll oh like yeah they'll, they'll just be like, um, you know, you'll be like, S- whatever happened to you know your friend Bob, and and they'll be like, oh, that guy. Uh, well, you know, you wouldn't believe what he did. He did this and this, and and when you're listening to it, if you really right. just look at the data, you're like. That doesn't yeah. seem that bad. And then they'll just be like, I'm done with that person. Yeah. No, so uh, I've definitely observed that behavior. I don't personally worry in, in these case, in this case or these cases. But you've seen them do that. But I've seen them do that. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, they also sometimes will have uh, a very clear inner circle or they'll, have, they'll, they'll, they'll sometimes have very clear circles to their um, world, you know, like yeah. – the inner circle of Trump's yes, life. Yes, and yes, then yes, like, yes. you'll, you'll know when you're there, there's very clear delineation right. that you'll get from them. Like, Oh, I'm now in the inner circle or, Oh, I'm not in the inner circle or we, or yeah. that person was just put out of the inner circle. I've seen that as well. Yes. Interesting. I can't wait to find out who these people are. <laughs> uh, number six, 
they don't seem to really care about your life or, you know, not like you being alive, but like the details, yes. the details of your life. Yes. Oh, interesting. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, they don't ask questions really. And when you talk about yourself, they, they ask questions that, that vector back to themselves. Right, right, right. Okay. Wow. Number seven, they might make you feel special just to be around oh, them. Ab- well, you know what, what, what the thing that resonated the most is I you think said, I know who you're talking about. They said like, oh, our, our relationship is so awesome, all that kind of stuff. Now that I think about it, that's definitely the case. But they do make it sound like I'm part of the equation. Yeah. In other words, in this case, it's not, you're so lucky to be around me. It's, although I guess that does get sort of said too. But a lot more of it is like, wow, we just have the best relationship. You know, when you first brought that up, I said I couldn't relate to it because you, you, you made it romantic. Oh. In this case, it's not a romantic relationship. Okay. It's just friends. Yeah. But I can relate to that. Right. Like, this is the best friendship. Right. And, and they'll make you feel special by, uh, making sure that they do things that are cool, you know, like they'll never do things that are boring or right. something or the things they tend to talk about like, um, oh man, you know, you and I, we got to go, I, I have a special VIP pass. We can mm. get in this one thing right, right, right. and, you know, maybe we can do that tonight. And you just get this sense like, Ooh, I better stick around this person. I see. <laughs> this person, this, this person knows people that right. they know all the cool things. And so there's that. Okay. Um, and again, often this is conceptualized as, as a manipulation or a seduction mm-hmm. and pulling people into to your world. But uh, in my experience, it's not a conscious, malicious act. It is a desperate act by a desperate individual who is in terrible pain and fear and is trying to gain attachments in the only way that they feel like mm. they can, which is by acting like they are cool because they actually believe that if they didn't do that, no one would like them. Right. Uh, number eight, when you give constructive feedback, criticism, they, they don't react very well and they might even get hostile with you. Um, sometimes they might get hostile in a very cool way because they're used to that kind of rage. But, um, but at the very least they, um, don't react very well to criticism. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Number nine, you often you might often feel stupid around them or not very good looking or not very fashionable or your tastes might not be up to snuff or your opinions might not be refined enough or you you might feel lower class than them. Uh, anything like that? When I was younger, if this person if this other person that I just thought of is like that, then yes. Um now, I, now you're confident enough. It's just, yeah, I, I, that's one of the things I'm very proud of myself about is it's pretty hard to rattle my ego nowadays, you know? Just, I guess, like, I know what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, what my failings are and stuff like that. So if, if you want to point out my failings and they and I like, yeah, those are failings, like, fine. If you're just going to, like, you know, brag about something you've got or things like that, that just doesn't affect me, you know? So it before you had that self confidence, if you are around these people, you might have felt less than. Yes, interesting. And I and I specifically remember being a teenager, and one of these people directly criticizing me and my personality, hmm. and me really like 
sort of like, oh, wow, what is there? And like, I couldn't quite figure it out. I was already fairly self-confident to not let it just like devastate me, but it still took its toll. It was like, oh, is there something wrong with me? Like, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, great. <clears throat> so the the rest of these are not as common. The ones we've talked about so far are much more common to people high on the spectrum, but the rest of these are a little bit more subtle and might not present with everybody. Number 10, when something goes wrong, they reflexively knee-jerk reaction, blame you or, or just someone else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course. That is, that, man, that, that I, I wish I could just like frame all the texts or things that was like, yep, that's exemplified. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And it's like, uh, it's comical. It is. It's unfortunate, but it's comical. It's like they'll, uh, you know, they're they're driving the car and they'll get a flat tire. Yes. And they'll just look to whoever's in the car and they'll be like, what did you do the last time you drove this car? You know what okay, I mean? Okay, so perfect example. Absolutely, yeah. Like that's <laughs> so here's a perfect example. I had a text message stream with this person and at one point, uh, I was the last one to send a message. Okay. And then we stopped talking for several months, hmm. many months. And then all of a sudden, we started talking again. The narrative was why I stopped communicating, mm. even though the last communication was from me. Right. And I was like, well, no, that's I, I didn't. Like, we both sort of stopped. I was like, no, you, you stop. It's you. It's your fault. <laughs> right. And so, in the same vein, number 11, they, especially people really high in the spectrum, will never apologize. Right. People lower on the spectrum might apologize sometimes, but... It's extremely difficult for them to apologize. One, because for them to apologize, they have to admit that they did something wrong, right. which completely dismantles their defensive structure, and then they have to fall into the abyss of their, of their nothingness of their ego. Um, and two, they have such a propped-up, grandiose sense of self that they constantly prop up that the notion that they did something wrong is almost impossible for them to comprehend. Yeah. Um, plus they feel superior. And so if something went wrong, it must be someone else's fault. Right. It can't possibly be my fault. Right. right, right. And so, so, th so they will, uh, they just don't apologize. Th does that, does that ring? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And that can be very frustrating to, to, well, specifically I've, I have, directly complained about something before like said this is a moment where you did not have empathy for my situation and i Crickets. need you and i yeah right exactly yeah right and and again the way people look at this is oh it's a manipulation they're prop you know they're um choosing to see things selfishly but it's not they're right. They're only doing it because they're terrified of, of what is, uh, you know, the tip of the iceberg is the apology, which leads to them admitting they have flaws, which leads to them thinking maybe I'm not all perfect, which leads to them having to face the fact that they feel like they're nothing. Number 12, when they watch people with fame, they compare themselves to them. Like they, they might say things like, like they might go to a, a comedy show or something and they'll be like, oh, I could do that. Or a sort of lesser version of this is, as they're watching the show, they'll be they'll be like fantasizing about like how they can do the same thing, even though they're not necessarily directly saying they they're better than the comic or better than the singer or better than the actor. They they just 
they're compulsively wanting to be on stage, and so they can't tolerate just being an audience member, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, they might, yeah, yeah, totally. They, I've seen that in – I can think of one of the people – man, I'm realizing there are more people than I thought that I've known, at least on the spectrum. And yeah. some of them definitely higher than others. But one of the the ones I'm thinking of, I now realize that uh, there were moments where they were watching someone, like you're saying, that's famous. And instead, like, you know, I get this too of like, oh, man, I wish I was famous too, you know. Which but is it, why, you know, you're 15. Right. But instead of that, though, because one is like, you know, the desire of like, I, I also want, right? Right. It was more of like sort of anger, like, right. this is fucked up. I should be the one on stage. Yeah. Yeah, that's someone which, higher on the spectrum. Which, by the way, I don't relate to that. No. And so that one, but I've seen that. I've right. seen that. Right, because it's, it's the envy. Again, yeah. it's not because of evilness. It's yeah. because the notion that they are an audience member. They're a lowly audience member, and they're watching someone with fame and with glory on the stage means that they have to face the fact uh, in this in this in a very strange roundabout way, but reasonable when you, when you consider where it comes from, that they're not perfect. Although, actually, I can relate to it in, a, in maybe a, a more localized way. For example, when I was in school, especially younger grades, uh, I really felt like I had to be the one to get my hand up and answer the question hmm. because – I hated the idea that someone else was answering and getting kudos about it, right? Mm. Or at work where someone is, you know, like like you said, on stage or getting an accolade or accolade or doing something cool. And I'm like, God damn it, I should be the one. You know, I have felt that. Okay. But what, so maybe that's because it feels more within reach. Whereas I haven't felt the I'm at the concert watching Jay-Z and I'm like, well, this is fucked. I should be the one in front of the stadium right now. You know? Well, and you're only on the 15%. Right, right, right. Uh, number 13, they might make you feel invaded, like, through various means. But one common way is they'll ask you overly personal questions. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, totally. God, I can't wait to find out who these people are. Um, yeah, they might, they they just, and this is another subtle one. It's, it's, um, they might ask you questions about your sexual life, your, you know, your personal life. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but it is um, evidence of one that they want to assert power in some ways, but they also feel over, they feel superior to social mores. So oh, I see. they feel like, well, I know that society has these. Okay. I've done that too. That society has these rules, but I'm better than that. So I definitely do that. Interesting. I have that feeling about being maybe less. Everything I say is always now less than I used to be. <laughs> but I certainly can relate to feeling above social mores, social rules. I felt like, why should I have to stand in this line? Or those kinds of things. And also, oh, I, the, the thing you were just saying. I know it's not okay to say, but like I'm going to say it because I'm above that. Right. And... I have definitely asked inappropriate or even very personal questions to people at times where it was not right. Yeah, and since I'm 5% on the spectrum, uh, I used to be much more like that too when I was younger. 
And once I became a therapist, I didn't really need to do that anymore because mm-hmm. it was normal to ask clients <laughs> personal questions. And, the, and, and uh, there are other things to look for too. Like, of course, they might exaggerate or brag. Um, they might like to be on stage. They might like to do professions or activities, hobbies that puts them in front of other people. Uh, they might also have a gambling problem or a spending problem. I've had spending problems. Yeah. They might have big dreams. I've had big dreams. Yeah. Or what about the people you're thinking of? <laughs> oh, uh, some of them, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about a couple of them, but... Uh, some of them might be perfectionistic. Yes. Uh, and some of them might have medical anxiety, hypochondriasis. Yes. Yeah. So, sounds like you definitely are talking about some people high in the spectrum. Well, it's funny. When you first asked me, I thought, well, I mean, I know a couple people, but they're probably not. And then as we go through the questions, I'm like, mm, yes, yes, yes. Right. And it actually, the people I thought of at the beginning were not, in fact, the people that I arrived at as we were going through the questions. Huh. Because I thought of a couple people and I'm like, yeah, I think they're like that. But as we were going through the questions, I was thinking, well, not so much. But then I would realize there's someone else in my life that absolutely fits that bill. Well, let me ask you, for the people who you later realized were more narcissistic than you thought, what was it about them that you that you didn't think they were narcissistic? Was it that you, you know, what surprising thing did we get to where you're like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't. When I first thought of people in my life who were narcissistic, those qualities didn't stick out to me. Um, part of it was actually that I, I didn't actually quickly inventory everyone and rule out. It was more of whoever first came to mind. Okay. And so in one case, at least it literally slipped my mind until later in the questioning. And then I retroactively realized, Oh my gosh, that's a yes for almost all of these. Right. Yeah. The other one, it was more like, two questions in where I'm like, wait a minute, this sounds like this person. So that one was one where I wouldn't have labeled them as narcissistic necessarily. I, I would have, if you had asked me like, does this person have something? I'm like, yeah. And if you would have said like, what do you think it is? I might've used words like, you know, anxiety, depression, maybe bipolar or something. But right. then as you went through the questions, I'm like, oh. <laughs> right. So the, uh, because when we think of quintessential or, I don't know, uh, classically or, um, uh, you know, people who are would be considered narcissistic to large groups of lay people. Mm-hmm. Um, we think of people with, you know, flashy cars and they're always on stage and they talk a lot right. and they're really boisterous and, and they might be on the narcissistic scale. But as I said, narcissism can manifest in a lot of different ways. When, when you have to prop up a false self to protect yourself from deep emptiness and terror, uh, you can do that in a lot of different ways. Right. You don't have to be on stage. You don't have to be boisterous. You, don't, you can be. Um, you don't have to brag about things a lot. You can actually do so through quite subtle means, um, partially because if you're intelligent and narcissistic, you know how to be not narcissistic. Yeah. So you know how to... M- being, you know how to prop up your narcissistic uh, defensive structure, but you also know how to come across as like if pretend <laughs> as if you're not narcissistic because you've learned right. that when you look overtly or obviously narcissistic, you actually uh, get criticism and, and people don't think you're awesome. They say, mm-hmm. oh, well, he's full of himself. 
and and you'll learn oh i need to do i need to prop up a false self in a different way some people will do this through charity literally they'll become the best mm. charitable awesomest giver of all you time you can't complain against my charity right and right. and but it's so it's for good causes sure. but they are doing so it's a manifestation of their narcissism right, right. it's not the only manifestation you know they're that's just one part of a large scheme of destruction that they're doing uh-huh. in their life but but anyway so um uh, any final words on how to detect narcissism wow i mean get this list take a look at it memorize some of it because man there are probably people in your life right now that are in this category and you got to watch out <laughs> so i'll rattle through them again get a pen and paper i know some people hate it when i don't have notes with all these kinds of things. Sure. So if you want to pause it, get a pen. Number one, everything they do is awesome. Number two, everything is awesome about me. Um, number two, they might really love you. They might, uh, re- especially if you are a good supply of their narcissism. Three, they might make you feel uneasy, you know, little nervous when you're around them. Four, they might seem very emotionally strong as if they don't need other people. They, they might be right. described as stoic or um, independent is another term. Five, they might make you feel worried about being rejected from their inner circle. Six, they don't seem to really care about your story, your life. They don't ask you questions about your life. Seven, they might make you feel special just to be around them. Eight, when you give them constructive feedback, they don't react well. Uh, number nine, you often feel stupid around them or unfashionable or just not good enough is probably yeah. a better term. They, they make you feel inadequate. 10, when something goes wrong, they reflexively blame someone else. Uh, 11, they never apologize or very rarely. 12, when they watch people with fame, they compare themselves to them. 13, they might make you feel invaded with overly personal questions. And then there's a category that I have here at the end, just sort of like other small things. They might brag. They like to be on stage. They might have a gambling problem, spending problem. They might have big dreams, perfectionism, and medical anxiety. So that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because... I deserve it.